first time, we're glad you're here. Make yourself at home. We're a Bible-believing church on our way to heaven. Trying to take as many folks with us as we possibly can. So you keep on inviting folks. Reading to you one verse from the book of 1 Samuel chapter 20. 1 Samuel chapter 20. If you haven't yet, make sure, um, make sure that you turn your phone off. 1 Samuel chapter 20. read verse 3. David swore moreover and said, Thy father certainly knoweth that I have found grace in thine eyes. And he saith, Let not Jonathan know this, lest he be grieved. For truly as the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, there is but a step between me and death. There is but a step between me and death. I want to preach to you this morning with God's help on a step in the right direction. A step in the right direction. Let us pray. If we could have Reverend Tuhig, sir, please pray over our messenger message. Many of us have seen those videos where a person was crossing the road, and as they're stepping out, suddenly something either causes them to stop, or they recognize a vehicle's coming, and the vehicle passes right in front of them. And you look at that and say, man, that dude was blessed or lucky that he did not take that next step. Or maybe you've seen somebody who was walking near a cliff, and they were looking down at their phone, and suddenly they realized they were right at the step, and they stopped and caught themselves before they went over. Now, you've probably seen some of those folks who were reading or looking at their phone, and they walked into a, a fountain, <laughs> fell over a, a hedge, because they weren't paying attention. And so there are those who take a step, and they're one step from death. Now, for every one of those videos that you might have seen, and you think they were blessed, there are probably others that we never saw, people that took that step and didn't make it. Not something cheerful, I know. But the reality of life is, like David said, there's just but a step between us and death. We're not guaranteed 75.3 years. We're not guaranteed to grow old and get gray. And I'm not saying that you won't. I hope that you do if that's what the Lord has for you. But we do understand that life is fragile. One day we could be strong and healthy. One thing can change. You find yourself in a hospital. You find yourself in need of God's grace or healing. David, in our Bible reading, was working for the king. The king began to turn against him. 
king thought that David was his enemy. And so he began to plot against him. King Saul made over 20 attempts at David's life. David would sit down at dinner with them. Good thing it was a long table. The king would grab a javelin and throw it at him and kill him. David was able to escape. The king said, I'll get him when he's sleeping. And he sent servants up to his bedchamber. But his wife saw him coming and put some pillows under the sheets to pretend like it was a body and let David get out the window. And this happened time after time after time. To where David spoke to his close friend Jonathan, who was the king's son, and he said, Jonathan, this is going on. He said, there is just a step between me and death. I'm not sure how much longer I've got. He keeps trying to kill me. And although David was speaking of the specific circumstance that he was in, it speaks speaks to the larger truth of life. That with all of us, there's but a step between us and death. Now, one step can make all the difference. It can make all the difference for good or all the difference for bad. Find a person that's ready to change their life. Sometimes all they need is one step in the right direction. They may say, I want to eat healthier, and so they cut out desserts. And cutting out desserts leads to them eating more vegetables. Leads to them actually eating salad. Leads to them cutting down on things. And one step they took kind of took them down a pathway where their health improved. Perhaps they'd say, I, I want to get stronger. And so they, they say, I know what I'll do. I'll go to the gym. Now, I think gyms make their money by people uh, joining the monthly thing and never showing up, right? One man said, here's what I do. He said, every day I put on my workout clothes, and I, I promise myself that I will at least go to my car and sit down. And he said, when I go to my car and sit down, I allow myself to rethink if I want to go or not. But he said, 90% of the time, since he's already up and in the car, he'll just go out. He's taking the first step, and he'll make it to the gym. Sometimes all you need is one step to start. To kick that foot out of bed and say it's time to go to church. (laughs) Amen. Get your face washed and your clothes put on and your teeth brushed, hopefully. And take that step. Because one step in the right direction can improve everything. To make up your mind, I'm not going to buy something that I don't have money for. So I can get out of debt. To make a step that says, I'm going to daily... Do something that's going to draw me closer to God. I'm going to read my Bible or invite someone to church or spend some time in prayer. One step in the right direction can make all the difference, but we have to understand one step in the wrong direction can make all the difference also. You see, we tend to think that every step can be retraced. That's not always true. We tend to think, well, if I go the wrong direction, I'll just turn around. But sometimes you go too far and you can't come back. I got saved. But before I got saved, I was hanging out with some friends and we were drinking and drugging. And I I said to my friend, you know, I could never take a needle and stick it in my arm. Here's what he said. He said, I'm not going to say that because I said I would never do this. I'm doing it. 
And in a sinner way, he made some sense. Because one step leads us to the next step, which leads us to the next step in the wrong direction. And how many people have ended up overdosed and dead, heroin, fentanyl, or whatever it may have been, when they said, you know what, I can always quit when I want to, but they couldn't. They took a step that led them to a place of no return. In Georgia, I believe it's called Lookout Mountain. I may be mistaken, but I think that's what it was. Well, there is a, a, a slope over this edge. And now I think there's warnings from what I understand. But you can walk and you can get to the place. And one lady kept on going. And, and she got to the place where her, gra- the, her weight and gravity pulled her to where she could not step back. She took one step too far and perished. Sad. But there are those who take a step away from God and never come back. There are those that say, well, do I need to come to church every Sunday? Is it really a big deal? And in their mind they think, "Ah, you know what, if I am wrong, I can always retrace my steps. But there are those who left, they were in Sunday school, they loved God, they loved Jesus. And then they opened themselves up, took one step, and the step took them too far. We need to take a step in the right direction. A step towards God. Because our next step may be a step into forever. We don't know. David said, there's just a step between me and death. Think about it. Just by process of elimination, one day we will take our last step. And I wonder, I wonder if we could, you know, have the analytics. How many people knew it was their last step? How many people understood, you're not going to take a step after this? Maybe it was a step into a hospital. And once they got in there, things took a turn to worse and, and they're not getting out of the bed. Maybe it was a step into the automobile. And as they stepped into the automobile and they went out onto the highway, they ended up into an accident. They didn't know it was their last step. Maybe it was a step up in the bed and they died in their sleep. You say, well, preacher, come on, man. Can't you give me something a little more positive? I'm trying to at least bring you to the place where you understand you are not guaranteed a forever in this life. To to at least get you to understand that you are mortal. And there is this, 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 this perception that in our youth that we are untouchable and that nothing can stop us and we've got forever, but that's not true. Our life is limited. James said our life is like a vapor that appears for a little while, like on a cold morning when you breathe out and you see it for a moment, then it's gone. Or a hot coffee that steams for a moment and then the steam is gone. He said our life is like that. What was he trying to get us to understand? That we've got to count our days. That we've got to measure what we do. That we've got to understand the steps I take may be my last step. I've got to be ready. Because one day I'm going to step into eternity. One day I'm going to take that step where I stand before God. What will you say that day? When we stand before God, what will you say? God, I was a good guy. 
Matter of fact, we already know what some people will say because the Bible records it. He said, in that day there will be those that say, Lord, Lord, did not we do many mighty works in thy name? These are people that have died and in their mind they thought everything was great. And the Bible said that Jesus will say to them, depart from me, I never knew you. There will be those in that day who, who stand there with a, a false assurance which comes from, and you got to understand, the devil's smart. He knows that he can't keep people from understanding there's a God. And so he creates many false gods or alternate gods so that people will think they'll get the comfort of religion without the reality of righteousness in Christ. And so they may bow down and, and uh, uh, chant to Buddha, or they may pray to Mary, or they may uh, look to Confucius, or, or they may believe that Muhammad is the answer, and they pat themselves on the back with this idea that they've got their eternity covered. But the Bible said there's only one name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. That's the name of Jesus Christ. There is no other name by which we can be saved. Muhammad cannot save us. Buddha cannot give us peace. Confucius cannot give us wisdom. We can only find the eternal wisdom in Jesus Christ. Because Jesus not only gives us wisdom, but he, he did something different. He loved us. There are many, there are times as a pastor, people will call. Pastor, would you go and see so-and-so? Or will you come and see me? I'm in the hospital. Sometimes you go in and they're hooked to a respirator and all the machines are on them. They can't speak. Sometimes, hopefully, you catch them coherent enough and their eyes are looking at you. Other times, once stout, strong individuals that sat in the same service seats and services that you're sitting in are emaciated. The disease has taken its toll. They have little strength. They can't lift an arm or a leg. And they want you to give them comfort, guidance. Some of those visits are not necessarily bad. When you come to somebody and you know they've made peace with God. And they say something like, it's all right. I'm ready. I know that if I die, I'm going to see Jesus. And you pray with them. You're a brother. You're standing on the brink of eternity and you're holding their hand. You're, you're, you're there with the sister, the person. And, and you're standing there and, and you want to comfort them and love them. As they step from this life into the next life. But others, it's not, it's not as sure. You talk to them and they say, oh, I know I'm all right, but you know their lives. You know they're, they've never been married to the person they're with. They're drinking and cursing up to the, the minute they die. My wife one time, she uh, invited this, this guy at the church. His name was Curtis. And as he came out to church, we found out he was an airplane pilot, commercial airplane pilot. He was a bass player. We went over to his house and we fellowshiped. And he was a Christian man. I think he had helped my wife. They were stranded, something like that. 
at the gas station. Anyhow, uh, they invited him. He came to church. We got to know him. And he was telling us about going through the pilot, commercial pilot training. And he said part of the training was you would listen to the black box of these people who were just getting ready to die. They're in the plane. They're recording their last words. And for a pilot, that was, you know, that was essential for them to hear to sense what was going on. Were they thinking right? Could they, could they function under pressure? Were they panicking? Was there something they were doing causing it to go down? And, and, and so they're training these pilots. But as a Christian, Curtis had a different perspective. And he said, I knew as I listened to them that these men were about to die. And I thought for sure they would be praying. They would be crying out to God. They would be asking for forgiveness. But he said that was not the case. Knowing they were about to die, they were uttering curses and they were filling the air with profanity. Because what's on the inside comes out when you're jostled. If you're filled with Pepsi and somebody hits you, milk doesn't come out. And so when you're filled with anger and hatred and sin and you're pressured, that's what comes out. You've got to change what's on the inside. And you can't change what's on the inside through a 12-step program. You've got to change what's on the inside by coming to Christ and being born again. By asking Jesus to forgive you and save you and come into your life. You've got to understand there's but a step between you and death. You've got to understand, we're not given forever. The night that I got saved, get ready musicians, we'll sing that filled my life song. The night that I got saved, I was 19 years old in the army, drinking and drugging. I told my friends I was going to get higher than I ever got that night. We did some things, and we were sitting in the living room. We started passing around something. I forget what it was. I was smoking a cigarette. God spoke to me and said, you know what? That's going to kill you. I didn't think much about it, but I put the cigarette out. And then we started passing something around. I forgot what it was, but it just seemed to happen again and again and again. I started thinking about eternity. You know, God has a way of getting you thinking about things, doesn't he? And as I started thinking about eternity, I said, man, I'm not ready. I went into the living room. All my friends were in the kitchen, around the kitchen table. And and they all turned and looked at me and kind of folded their arms. And they said, don't you get it? You don't belong here. You're dead. And I thought, what if I took too much? What if I'm dying? You can't push a button and come down. You can't undo what you already took in. Once the banana's peeled, you can't unpeel it. Once the carrots are cooked, they're cooked. And I thought, I need to get out of here. I was in the army. It was a couple miles from base. I said, if I can just get back to base. And I, I walked out of there. I wasn't, didn't have my vehicle at the time. And I began walking. As I was walking, it seemed like the tree was there, but I wasn't getting any closer. And I really began to think about eternity because eternity's forever. Never one day closer of getting out of the pain. 
Never one moment closer of getting out of the agony and the excruciating torment forever. It wasn't hell and the lake of fire wasn't created for man. It was created for the, the devil and his angels. But man in his, in his insistence to go against God uh, has pushed himself into a place that God didn't intend for him to be at the beginning. Because God can't allow sinful, corrupt man to go to heaven because then it wouldn't be heaven. If you got to lock your mansion door, it's not going to be heaven. You have to have a Rottweiler to keep the, the, the crooks away, it's not going to be heaven, amen. And as I was walking, I thought, man, no more drugs, no more alcohol. And as I said that, it was as if I took the first step. I got closer to where I was going. And then I thought, what would happen if I said, and I wasn't a religious person, I wasn't a Christian, I didn't know anything about, obviously wasn't a Christian doing that stuff, didn't know anything about being born again, but I said, what would happen if I said Jesus? And as I said Jesus, I, I took another step, I was getting closer. The devil was there, he wanted me to kill myself, he said, you ought to just reach into your stomach and rip it out. The enemy's always trying to get you to kill, whether it's to kill yourself or somebody else or somebody else's dreams or your future. But don't you do that, that's, that's a one-way ticket to the wrong place. There is a God that loves you and there is mercy and grace that can bring you back. Don't take your life. Don't kill yourself. God in his grace and mercy kept me from that and I kept on going. And some guys pulled over. I said, let me get a ride with you. And I got in there and they were smoking dope in the car. I said, oh, no, I got to get out. Got out of there. Went on their way. Some of you heard me tell the story. I had these, it was nighttime and I'm wearing sunglasses. That was stupid. Amen. I had these fancy sunglasses. God said, there, and this is, I'm not saying there's an audible voice, but in my mind, he's talking to me. Are those more important to you than me? I said, no. I took him, threw him into the, the field. He said, is your money more important to, me, to you than me? I said, no. I took my wallet out and threw it into the field. Some of you are wanting to know where that field is right now. Amen. It's gone, it's gone, it's gone. Kept on going. I saw a policeman up there. I started to run from the police. And it was as if God said, no, you just got to face it. So I kept on going. The police pulled off. I got down to I-5, four-lane highway, going four-lane north, four-lane south, eight-lane. So I crossed over the overpass, and I was walking on the highway. Cars were coming. A big 18-wheeler came by. I flagged down. I'm standing in the middle of this highway, flagging down an 18-wheeler. The 18-wheeler stops and pulls over. And uh, crazy enough that he did. And I said, hey, give me a ride. And he pointed to the door and said, no riders allowed. And, but he had his window open. So I dove in the window, and I turned around, and I kicked him out of his truck. Only problem was, I didn't know how to drive an 18-wheeler. So there I was with this angry man outside the door, me trying to drive this thing and on the brink of eternity, and I cried out to God. I said, Jesus, Jesus. And as I cried out to God, God began to speak to me. And, I, and you can believe what you want. In that, in that uh, cab, there was light that began to shine down. And God began to speak to me. Are you ready to die for me? And I said, no. I didn't understand what was going on. And when I said no, I took that step. It was a step in the wrong direction. I felt myself slipping 
like I was getting ready to go into eternity. And he gave me another chance. Thank God. Not every step gets a retrace. But he did that day. He said, you're ready to die for me. And I understood then that it was surrender. And I said, yes. And when I said, yes, he came in. He forgave me of my sins, filled me with the Holy Ghost. And I began in that, in that, uh, that cab of that truck. It, it was an altar. It was a place where Jesus saved me. They took me to the hospital and pumped my stomach. And, and my life had changed. That was the last drugs I did, the last cigarettes I smoked, the last cursing, uh, um, maybe one or two times afterwards I think, but God forgave me. That was all that God had changed me and he gave me a brand new beginning. Why? Because God saves us. And you can take a step today to him or away from him. And here's the thing, sometimes we take a step and we don't think it's very momentous. Your step may be to not go to the altar when you know you need to. Your step may be, I'll just wait till next week. What if you don't live till next week? I almost died at 19 years old. What if this is that step on the very brink of eternity? And you've got to say, I am going to take a step towards God. And that one step can make all the difference. Preacher, I'm not very religious. What do I need to do? When we open up this altar, you come. Say, Jesus, forgive me. Come into my life. Save me. Listen, if it means something to you, don't wait. Don't sit back there. Don't push it off till next week. If you've never been to the altar, come. If you've been a thousand times but you know God's calling you, come. But make up your mind. I am going to surrender to God. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? God's reaching out to you tonight, today. It's time to take that step. A step to the altar. A step to Jesus. He sang that song. He's getting ready to sing again. I will build my life. There are those that tear down their life, and there are those that build it. Today's a chance to say, God, if you're worthy, I'm going to build my life. If you're here today, and you say, I want to be.